This is the Grow Your Clinic podcast from Clinic Mastery. We help progressive health professionals to lead inspired teams, transform client experiences, and build clinics for good. Now, it's time to grow your clinic. Welcome back to another episode of the Grow Your Clinic podcast. My name is Jack O'Brien, your host. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm pumped to bring you another episode. We have a guest joining us today, a clinic owner, clinician, physiotherapist, Brody Sharp. Brody, welcome to the podcast, mate. How are you? Thanks, Jack. Yeah, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. It is my pleasure. Now, at the time of this recording, we're back into lockdown. Where you are, how are you coping down there in Melbourne in the middle of coronavirus? Well, we've gone back into like stage three lockdown, which isn't great, but we've kind of already prepared for it and we've been used to it. And so I guess the level of panic isn't as high as it once was when we first went into lockdown. But yeah, we're kind of Australian or like Victoria-wise, we're kind of at the epicenter of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, you've got a good coffee machine at home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, we're going well. Down again. <laughs> cool, mate. Uh, well, we're going to dive into your story from clinician through to clinic owner and uh, some cool stuff you're doing in the podcasting space. But before we do, we've got a couple of icebreaker questions to open up the floor. Are you ready to go? Let's go. All right. Number one, what are you reading or learning right now? Reading and learning at the moment, actually delving into a bit of copywriting, like learning about copywriting. So just reading a book called Breakthrough Copywriting, David Garfinkel is his name, and I've got a couple of other copywriting books to go along with it, but something I don't know a lot about and definitely need to. So that's what I'm delving into at the moment. Someone mentioned that the other day as, as well. It's like, what, what is it that we learn at school? It's like persuasive writing. It's like if only they, that's one of the only useful things I, I learned at English was uh, <laughs> writing, persuasive writing. Cool, mate. Number two, who inspires you? I guess like Big Fish would probably be someone like Elon Musk. Love his story. Love reading about him. A little bit closer to home, I guess, career-wise, Tom Goom is great running physio who I follow a ton of his content. Closer to home, I guess, my brother. I guess we kind of inspire each other. We live together and we both own businesses. So we kind of like touch base and inspire each other on a daily basis. Yeah, love it. Yeah, Tom Goom is an absolute weapon when it comes to running. Yeah. Have you met him in, pre- in person at all or had him on your podcast? I haven't, no. I've been following a lot of his content. I've done his like online course and stuff like that and chatted to him on Twitter a couple of times on some really nice topics. But yeah, haven't had the pleasure just yet. And rather than referring to it at the end of our podcast here, you have your own podcast. So you want to give it a quick little plug while we're on it? Yeah, sure. So I have the Run Smarter podcast. And I guess as we delve into my story a little bit, you'll start, you'll see how it like kind of ties in with the, the mission and the aim of the business itself. And it's pretty much teaching runners to make smarter training decisions, but often have a lot of physios and osteos come on to learn how to treat runners as well. So it's kind of the Jargon is more tailored for the everyday runner, but some really, really useful information regarding like the latest evidence when it comes to treating runners. Love it. So listeners, again, that's the Run Smarter podcast on uh, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Number three, Brody, uh, what did you want to be growing up? I actually wanted to be a professional basketballer and I was growing up like all I did was play basketball as a sport and yeah, throughout primary school, like early stages of high school, I just saw myself, that's just what I wanted to do. And because I was 
a basketballer, I was like being injured a lot and was seeing a physio quite often. And so got to learn about the profession and how they carry themselves, the knowledge that they had. And so my career shifted when I found out that like becoming a professional basketballer wasn't going to make the cut. (laughs) Uh, And what's a motto that you like to live by? Um, I have a couple of really good quotes that I like using, but the one, one I usually go back to is, so we have two lives and the second one starts when we realize we only have one. And I think that's like Confucius or someone like that, but mm. I find myself referring back to it quite often. Mm. I haven't heard that one before. It's, it's not often that I haven't heard one. So I like it. Ah, there you go. Thank you. Good share. All right, connect the dots for us then from the young fellow who wanted to play in the NBA and spend a bit of time yeah. in the physio rooms. What was your path through to being a clinician and then through to being a clinic owner? So I think becoming a physio was kind of generic. There's nothing real too special about it. I just loved what how the physios conducted themselves as I was a client and really loved the knowledge that they had and they helped me out a lot. So naturally just wanted to do that as a profession and was probably I went straight out of uni into private practice and probably about five six years in started doing a lot of like personal development work and had kind of bigger ambitions to start becoming a clinic owner I guess before that I wasn't really seeing myself like I'm not the type I'm not really the personality to be that driven to open up my own clinic but yeah that slowly shifted as I started working on some personal development stuff and wanting to achieve bigger and better things and continue growing as a person. And so that naturally just progressed into me wanting to have my own clinic ambitions. Mm-hmm. And throughout these like little steps, I actually had a new colleague who was really big in online clinics. He was like doing a lot of research into that himself. And he's like, oh, have you ever thought about doing an online clinic? And at that stage, I wanted to focus on the niche of running so halfway throughout my physio career, I became a runner myself. And when I was seeing clients who were runners, I just had this like heightened passion and it like, it kind of brought out my best self and brought out my best work because I just wanted to to help them because I've been through, I've been injured as a runner before. And that mm-hmm. sort of, I understand like emotionally and like can empathize a lot more. And so yeah, I thought I, there's something I needed to do that would, I, I want to spend more time with this population. So I had the idea to open up a clinic that was this running niche. And then uh, it just progressed until one of my colleagues was like, have you ever thought about doing it online? And that's when everything kind of clicked and fell into place and made a lot of sense and just took the steps from there. And so went into research and how do I open up my own online clinic? And then it, it just went to more, I guess, practical side of things, (laughs) starting up a website, looking at all the software, doing all that and made a very slow transition from working part-time as an employee in the private practice to phasing out and doing more and more of my online stuff. Love it, mate. There's a couple of threads in and through that journey that I'd, I'd love to pull on. So you mentioned you went straight from uni to private practice. Was that deliberate or accidental? How did that play out? <laughs> it was deliberate. I think I did a lot of placements through hospitals, which a lot of physios usually do. Mm-hmm. And I didn't actually have a private practice placement at uni. And so I actually did an internship and 
started learning a lot more about the the ins and outs. Everyone kind of has a bit of an idea what a private practice physio entails, but doesn't really get the sense of like the paperwork and like all that, that kind of thing. So wanted to do an internship to learn about that side, realized I'd still love it and just worked like self-reflecting on myself. Maybe hospitals aren't really my thing. So it was a bit of a scarier jump going straight to private practice but no regrets. I just, I love learning. I love reading. I love identifying the gaps in my knowledge and just going out and finding it. And so I feel like jumping straight into private practice was a big learning curve, but paid off. Yeah. And so uh, now having made a transition towards clinic ownership and looking back on your journey as an employee or a team member, what are some of the things that you're really grateful for in that those early stages of your career? Well, it's definitely having like a team around me as soon as you dive into private practice like the people the colleagues you work with like crucial if someone if you have like a mentor or if you have colleagues that are happy to share their knowledge and talk about clients and especially when you're just fumbling your way through the first couple of months or the first year and the team that you build or the team that you have is really good it's like it's it's essential and you often see the really good physios the ones that apply for a job at our clinic, they're like, oh, what's the team culture like? What's, you know, and they sort of get that vibe. It's a really good skill to have and it's crucial. Mm. And then you mentioned that a uh, couple of years in, started to get itchy feet, uh, which I don't think is uncommon. It's, it's pretty familiar for, especially for a lot of clinic owners. No, no one usually starts yeah. as a clinic owner, but got that itchy feet and tr- started to explore more niching into that running space. What are some of the reflections in and through that time? Was it a it was obviously a deliberate choice to take up running yourself and start treating runners. How has that now evolved from an itch that you needed to scratch to what is almost exclusively your patient base? Well, it it first was, like you said, a self-reflection and it was me identifying once I saw a runner in the clinic, I was a different person. I was beaming and I was like really striving to help this, this population as much as I could. And I had a passion for seeing others like a shoulder or a back or, a, you know, the usual clients that we'd get in. And I, I loved seeing them, but there was just a, an elevated level of passion whenever a runner came in. And so I sort of told myself, like, I want to spend, like, if I could build a career around this and I could be just like beaming every time, then I'm, I'm onto something good. And so as that transitioned, it sort of became more of a business mission rather than just like a passion. And now I've sort of delved into say the podcast and the, the actual niche of the, the business and then the Facebook groups and stuff like that's all serving like this one mission is to help educate runners and help get runners out of injury and back to running and performing. So the survive and thrive as a runner mission. Mm-hmm. So you've got the podcast, which is not your first rodeo. Um, this is the second podcast you've had and Facebook what has worked and what hasn't when it comes to attracting your ideal patients? Good question. Uh, what has worked, I guess, is telling my story so that people can kind of relate. I've had clients in the past who they've seen a couple of physios and it hasn't worked, say like really chronic plantar fasciitis or something like that. And they've been to a couple of health professionals and nothing works. And then they've come to me and they said, oh, I listened to your podcast and said that you've suffered from plantar fasciitis for a couple of months and how annoying that was and you've overcome it. I want to see you. And so I think 
people getting to know you as a person and sort of relating to you as a person is a really nice way to connect and has what I found is really good. So I'll interrupt you there, mate. That's uncomfortable for a lot of people, right? If I play devil's advocate for a moment, uh, I'm thinking about the listeners that say, I don't have a story to tell or it feels a little egotistical. What do you say to those types of people? Yeah, especially when it comes to say the podcast, like you said, I've had a podcast prior to this. It was the Everyday Running Legends and I hardly ever talked about myself and I was interviewing other people and I was just getting them to explain their story and I was just asking questions and like the the level of engagement wasn't the same and it wasn't until I learned within myself why I listened to certain podcasts. I feel like you start listening because of the content, but then you keep listening because you like the people, you like the host, you like this sort of stuff and you, you mm-hmm. learn more about them. And I think people can nod their heads and think the people that they follow their content, you start to continue to follow them because you like them as a person. And so knowing that when I started this second podcast, that was in line with the business. I wanted to share myself. I want people to learn about me because they need to make the decision whether they choose you or choose another physio that's down the road or another health professional. And so that's another way to connect. And it is uncomfortable. It is, it's difficult talking about yourself and it's difficult sharing stories, but you open up the more response that you get. And when you start making those little steps out of that comfort zone and you get some really nice feedback you start to feel more comfortable talking about yourself yeah yeah that's awesome appreciate you sharing amongst the other things that you've done you mentioned podcast groups and speaking etc is there anything that's kind of flunked and hasn't worked or that you've stopped doing now i started a facebook group a while back and it was trying to get this is when i was in my kind of passion project started my first podcast started a facebook group And uh, it was called The Voice of Melbourne Runners. And there was initial traction there. It got up to like 400, 500 members, I think more. But the level of engagement was really low. And the purpose, like I was initially thinking people were going to share ideas, share their injuries, like talk about that kind of thing. Um, If they want on runs or fun runs or organize something, they can just have that hub where they can talk about but realized that not many people have that incentive to to take it upon themselves. And it ended up just being me driving that podcast, like driving the Facebook group with like posts and things to try and keep people engaged. But it didn't really have a much of a mission, didn't have this one goal. It's kind of just this like umbrella kind of Facebook group. So that that was a bit of a flop, but learned quickly that you you kind of need a mission. You kind of need something to go off. You kind of need this plan i guess it's good and i'm thinking about the clinic owners the the lessons that we can draw from that and specificity is the key right it's speaking to your ideal clients with a very specific method and message so uh yeah that's a really interesting learning you mentioned a little bit there around uh, online physio and uh, people suggesting or asking questions about consulting via telehealth and online what's that evolution look like for you how did that come to be The decision-making was one I wanted to like, it gives me a little bit of freedom. It gives me a little bit of like time availability, obviously just starting out. There's like opening up your own clinic, a lot of overheads, a lot of that kind of stuff. So it made sense as like a starting point just to see how things go because all you need is a computer and some software and away you go, build your business on your own. 
And that kind of process, I guess, was stemmed off like with the the steps I took in place was, okay, what kind of frustrations do people have? How would they approach? How would they find me? And me understanding that psychographics, the demographics, it just made sense to try this online process because I can reach like nationwide and if you serve a particular niche like if you had to try and compare between me a generic physio that's online and the generic physio that's across the road they'd probably prefer that face-to-face contact but if you have the health professional across the road but then you also have this person who specializes in achilles tendinopathy or chronic achilles tendinopathy and you have chronic achilles tendinopathy even though they're online you're probably like oh i might sway towards that that niche and so Mm -hmm. that's where like delivering content delivering podcasts blogs all that sort of stuff to Mm -hmm. let people know the knowledge that i have would ultimately give people that decision and then once that reaches the the nation because it's online it can pretty much be within whatever demographics you want to try and target Mm. And so you mentioned that time freedom and, you know, minimal overheads being some of the upside to consulting online. What are some of the challenges that come with it? Oh, it's a huge challenge. Like everything's a challenge Um, because there's not a lot of online clinics. Well, there is now, I guess. But when I was first starting out, which was uh, probably end of last year, maybe September, between September and November was when I started like building everything. There wasn't a lot to go off. There wasn't a lot of people to ask. There wasn't a lot of stuff. So it was a huge challenge and started building a couple of like um, online forms and tests for people to do my business structure. People sign on, sign up online, obviously, and they're instructed to go through a couple of forms. And based on those answers to those forms, it gives them tests to do, like say, if they've got knee pain do this, uh, do this exercise, do this lunge, do this single leg sit to stand. Let me know if there's any pain. Let me know if there's any tightness, soreness, imbalances at all. So they go through different strength tests, length tests, capacity tests, just on their own before our consult. And just that whole entire process, just trying to go through the stepping process or the client experience was extremely challenging. And it was like a lot of fumbling and a lot of trial and error, but eventually worked its way through to something that was quite seamless and people jump onto my consult and they're like, Oh, that was a really cool process. Like, and so it's worked well, but yeah, it was just me fumbling through a whole bunch of stuff. I like it, mate. What are some of your favorite tech to use? Like majority I use Clinico as like my booking service, like the, the payments and the, the scheduling and the notes and all that sort of stuff goes through Clinico, which I found I haven't had an issue with so far. PhysiTrack is where I do most of the consults and the exercise programs and all that kind of stuff. So they're the two modes of software that I use. I use Typeform as a online sort of collect people's details. And there's like smart logic jumps that you can do for those and you can do videos, all that sort of stuff. So they're probably my main three that I've majority majority of the time I'll use and yeah, fairly inexpensive, really good to run. I haven't had an issue with them so far. Yeah. And pretty much like off the basis of my whole, my whole business model, I guess. Love it. Let's touch on the podcast a little bit deeper, a little bit more specifically. What's been the tangible benefits for you starting up a podcast with the intention of trying to grow your clinic? 
it depends on the topics or like, because people are drawn to like information or education when it comes to podcasts. Mm -hmm. And so mine's information based and it's around, sometimes it'll be a guest, sometimes it'll be me and we talk about specific topics and I want to target runners who are injured or who want to increase their running performance. And so that's exactly what my podcast topics will be about. I'll have a podcast on plantar fasciitis and it's me going through the knowledge, the, the latest research, how to treat it. If you're like a health professional, like these are the steps that you take. This is what the evidence says right now. This is what the misconceptions are right now. This is what people believe. And if someone's listening and they're going in the head, oh my God, this is me. Oh my God, I'm learning this will take it upon themselves. Like they will try and do it themselves. And if that gets them all better, I'd be over the moon. But a lot of times the practicality, like they need someone, they need a guide. They need someone to tell them what to do, especially runners, because sometimes they know all this stuff, but practically they just do the silly mistakes anyway, Mm -hmm. because they don't have a guide. But even if they try it themselves and they try to cure their plantar fasciitis and it's still not getting better, who's going to be the one that they go to first. It's going to be the one where they've learned it all to start with and mm-hmm. trying to be the guide. You're trying to be the, the go-to guy for if they do need tailored advice or a tailored approach, then they'll go to you. And the podcast would obviously talk about that. I do offer these services if you do need me. And yes, yeah, so that's how it kind of captures people and that's how it acts as a lead generator. Mm, makes sense. So, Okay. So it's all well and good to create that content, be super helpful, subtle plugs for your clinics here and there. How do we get people to listen? How do you get it inside people's ears? It's, you know, you can create it. How do you get people to actually listen? Yeah. And it's something I'm trying to work through as best I can as well, because there's thousands and thousands of podcasts and there's more and more starting up every day. It's been never been easier to start a podcast. And so you kind of need to differentiate yourself a little bit and the good stuff that I'm hearing back is this is the best running podcast I've ever listened to that no one's ever heard of (laughs) and so I'll take that as a compliment but still it'd be nice to get more traction and get more audience and I think like to try and grow and to try and get people listening it's first of all you've got to have great content like that's got to be the foundation of everything and then after that it's just trying to find out like where runners go do they go to running facebook groups like there's some massive running facebook groups and a lot of people are asking questions how do i overcome plantar fasciitis and then you can kind of direct them to hey this is some good information oh and you more also like this podcast episode that i've done or it's just a lot of social media stuff where do they hang out what other podcasts are they listening to and maybe featuring on that i think like within the the podcast realm like podcast listeners want to listen. They want to find more podcasts to listen to. And my myself, I listen to about maybe 20, 25 different podcasts and more than happy for more to be, to jump on there. So I think that's probably a gold mine of additional listeners once they find out that the podcast actually exists, but you're in a sea of new podcasts and different podcasts. So it's hard to stand out a lot of the time. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting art form. You touched on something really important. Like where do your ideal clients already go? Which groups are they going to? What are they already listening to? Maybe which shops are they shopping at? What events are they 
training for and how can you then make sure that your podcast is present in that space and and really i'm thinking about listeners the the principle is true across any marketing medium that you are considering it's who are the clients and where do they spend their time attention or dollars and make sure your marketing shows up there as helpful and as non-salesy as possible knowing that it will eventually translate into bookings if I can touch on there, like you, like getting to know your audience and where they hang out is like a really good step. And then when it comes to that's where you market, but then the marketing should be knowing the frustrations or the desires or the, the trigger points that are really like emotionally triggering for them because they're wanting a solution. Like I know a lot of the runners, they do get frustrated because they can't find the right answers or they're frustrated because they've got this really chronic injury and they're losing their identity they're a runner but they can't run because they're injured and so that's where the frustration and the urgency kind of comes in and so it's understanding like their motivations and their frustrations is a really good like second step as well i love it that's been really insightful really helpful and uh, i know there'll be plenty of clinic owners that are furiously taking notes or wanting to learn and explore more so once again if people want to check out your current podcast what's the best way to search and find that yeah, so it's on, on wherever you find, wherever you listen to this podcast now, you just search the Run Smarter Podcast, should come up. Perfect. And uh, if people want to maybe check out your clinic or get in touch with you personally, is there a website or a LinkedIn or anything like that we can check out? Yeah, so breakthroughrunning.physio is my website where someone can go on, learn more about the clinic, learn more about the process because it's very new, like on the website, it's like step-by-step, step, this is what happens, this is what goes on just so they're not as confused and that's probably the best way to learn about the clinic and I do have podcast episodes and blogs and like running information that goes onto that website as well. Super. And listeners, we'll make sure we link all that up over in the show notes at clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. You'll be able to find everything linked up over there. Brody, it's been a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Jack. It was a lot of fun. And listeners, thank you for joining us. As always, really appreciate your attention during this episode. And if you've got any feedback or want to leave a review or rating, head to your podcast player of choice and uh, give us however many stars you think we deserve and an honest review. That would be absolutely awesome. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode and can't wait to bring you another episode again really soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in to the Grow Your Clinic podcast. To find out more about past episodes or how we can help you, head to www.clinicmastery.com forward slash podcast. And please remember to rate and review us on your podcast player of choice. See you on the next episode.